Það er komið að Dogsports Business og hingað er mættur enginn annar en Ferran Soriano, frangatastjóri City Group. Það ræða við hann þessi félög sem að hann er með og að sjálfsögðu Manchester City sem er þetta stóra máli í sötlu saman. So, Ferran Soriano, welcome to Dr. Football. Thank you, I'm very happy to be here. So let's let's just dive right into it. Uh, in the 70th minute, when uh, when uh, Felipe Coutinho scored Aston Villa's second goal, and uh, you had barely created a single chance, you had played all so well during that season, but it seemed to be all going the wrong way. Did you think, ah, fair enough? I should have sent a striker. No, no. This, is, this is not what I thought. <laughs> I, I have to confess that that I was worried, I was concerned. <laughs> so uh, first I, I started thinking about my role, I guess the CEO of the club. Um, I have to be there to support when things go wrong. So I started to think, be calm, think about what do we need to do if we lose the game? How are we going to manage the disappointment? So I was mentally preparing for what was coming. Mm-hmm. And but on the technical side, let me say some people are saying your your team is going to be great now with the addition of Haaland. Yeah. Right? And I say remember we're going to play 11 players not 12. Mm-hmm. So it's not the addition of Haaland. Mm-hmm. If you put a striker in our team, you have to take somebody out. Mm-hmm. And you have to take somebody out from a team that has been winning the Premier League four of the last five, that has been breaking records in scoring goals. So the system as it is works mm-hmm. and it does not need a striker as it is. Mm-hmm. It, on the long term and after Aguero left, we, we thought we needed a striker and we thought we have the best striker possible now, but it's not an addition. Mm-hmm. If, if we play with a striker, with this striker, we will play without another player and the system will have to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. You have this uh, fixed system of a 4-3-3, a Barcelona-Johan Cruyff 4-3-3 at Manchester City. Yeah, this is, it's not always exactly 4-3-3, but this is the pillar, right? So mm-hmm. the, the, the basic pillars of the approach to football, sometimes we call it philosophy. Mm-hmm. The way we play football is always the same. High defensive lines, possession of the ball, wingers open. Uh, that's how we approach the game. By the way, in Manchester City and in all of our other teams around around the world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, the inspirational player at the, at the team that used to be uh, uh, Aguero is now maybe Kevin De Bruyne. And uh, but you lost your daughter no. Now I'm I'm talking about your book. You lost yes. uh, Fernandinho. He's gone. Daughter no is gone. So nobody there to say no anymore. Uh, <laughs> so but uh, Kevin De Bruyne he 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 always uh, steps up and uh, he he made this pass for the the third goal, the winning goal. Is it true what we read in the newspaper here in Iceland that uh, he negotiated his own contract? Yes. Um, the majority of players use agents for that, and he didn't. Okay, he just used a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Kevin has has become a leader in in uh, in our club, and he's been growing and growing. He's uh, he's a spectacular player on the pitch, but he's also a leader in the dressing room. He's a quiet leader, mm-hmm. uh, but every time we need him, he's he is he's there. This was 
so, so people don't remember, but um, the amount of money that we paid for him, I think in pounds was 62 million. Mm -hmm. And there was a, there was a famous uh, cover of one of the English news, newspaper with a picture of him. Uh, and it said the 62 million flop mm -hmm. because they, they <laughs> said Tiki was wrong to, to buy this player. And he was clearly right. So um, Kevin De Bruyne is now a legend. At, Ma at Manchester City and he still has years to play and he will be one of the one of the key historical players of this club absolutely um, just just quickly about you Ferran uh, before we speak more about Manchester City and City Football Group uh, you have uh, a lot of experience in this market uh, you've been in football for 20 years now uh, came into Barcelona in the summer of 2003 and what a summer that was uh, first summer uh, working for Barcelona obviously changed uh, uh, changed Barcelona, um, but you signed Ronaldinho that first year. If you had not signed Ronaldinho, um, and he would have gone to Manchester United, would you had uh, Ronaldo at Man at uh, Barcelona? Uh, I think it's a real possibility. So yeah. I'll tell you the story. The story is we we actually tried to sign Beckham. So at just making the story short, at the time, um, FC Barcelona was in a very difficult uh, situation, both economically and on the pitch. They, they won in the previous season. They qualified six to be able to play the Europa League at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it had a different name. Yeah. By, by qualifying six in the league. Uh, and the star of the team was an Argentinian player by the name of Saviola. Yes. So we tried to sign um, Beckham. Yeah. And he decided to go to Real, Real Madrid. He actually said to us, I like you guys, but I want to go to a team that is already a champion team where yeah. I don't have the responsibility to turn this around. Mm -hmm. So then we went to, Ron, to uh, Ronaldinho. But the same year, we actually s signed a player <coughs> from Sporting Lisbon. Um, Quaresma. Quaresma. So there were two very good, very good young players at the time at Sporting, Quaresma and Cristiano. Mm -hmm. And we paid six million for Quaresma. And he was very good. And we thought, actually, he, he became a very good player. But Cristiano Ronaldo wanted to come too. Mm -hmm. But at that time, Manchester United made an offer of 18 million which seemed totally crazy. <laughs> yeah. And we said, well, too much. So we, <laughs> we, we made a mistake. Um, but actually, we were very happy to find Ronaldinho, who was uh, an extraordinary player on the pitch and also a, a leader, a character leader that helped us turn around Barcelona from losing games and losing money to winning games and, and making money. He actually became the best player in, in the world, but uh, it was, uh, you know... And he, he, he won you the... Uh, well, he was part of the team that won the Champions League in, in 2006. And, but his decline was quite fast. You know, he's like uh, a superstar. Like Messi and Ronaldo, they always had each other to compete. Maybe Ronaldinho was missing somebody to, to keep him on his toes. That's an interesting idea. That's yeah. an interesting idea because effectively he, he lost intensity and mm. focus. Mm. And and he was lost for the game. And Ronaldinho could have been one of the best players in the history of football. Yeah, yeah. so so much talent there. Uh, but but and and you you go through this and and you go through your Barcelona time in your book, the, the goal, which is a fantastic book for uh, you know 
anyone in management, uh, even if it's football or, or not, but you, you think a lot about this summer in 2006 where you know you should have made some changes. You know knew things were going wrong, but you did not. And uh, the t- team had quite a decline over the next two years. And you also say uh, you you uh, refused an offer for Ronaldinho in 2007 for uh, 60 million euros, and you ended up uh, selling him the year later for 20 million in, uh, to uh, to AC Milan. This is one of the challenges of this business, of the business of football. I, I, I've been in this business for many years now, but this is not what what I started working on or what I learned. I've been in 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 other industries. I've been in the telecom industry in the fast consumer goods industry and fast moving consumer goods industry and also in aviation football is different because there is emotion mm-hmm. there's a degree of agree a degree of emotion that sometimes does not allow you to make the right decisions and you're talking about a period where at FC Barcelona we went from nothing to win the league and the Champions League at the same year mm-hmm. so one year later we could see the decline in some of the elements of the team, but I would say we didn't have the guts mm-hmm. to make the changes because there was emotions. Um, I remember having a conversation with Frank Reichert mm-hmm. and, and, and telling him, this is not working, you have to be stronger with the team and, and ask for more commitment and more work. And Frank Reichert said, yeah, I understand, but you know what? I love these players. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's challenging and decisions that should have been made in 2017, mm-hmm. we made them late in 2018, and and we spent two years without winning nothing, right? Yeah. One bad decision was not to sell Ronaldinho for 60 million, mm-hmm. and then sell sell him for 25. Um, but at the end, we reacted, right? And we we had to let Frank Reinhardt go, who was an excellent person and an excellent coach, but we needed a change. Pep Guardiola came, Ronaldinho left. Deco and others, and we started another cycle of, of winning. But, uh, you know, since you're in Iceland, I, I need to talk to you. In this famous summer of 2006, where uh, there seemed to be some discipline problems in Barcelona, first game of the season, no Ronaldinho there and so on, and Aiturku Johnson rescued the team, scoring in the first game and winning you the first uh, the game. You wanted Thierry Henry, but he didn't want to come to Barcelona at that time. He wanted to stay at Arsenal. Then... Tiki Pekristan wanted Diego Forlan, but Frank Reichardt wanted Aiturgu Johnson. So when the manager, uh, coach as you call it, and uh, the, the head of football uh, like Tixi, uh, when they argue about the player, one wants Forlan, the other one wants Good Johnson. I'll tell you the story. Yeah. I'll tell you the I'll tell you the inside the inside story. First of all, we won the league. We so we won the Champions League against Arsenal and. We, we had an agreement that Thierry Henry would come and join us. And we were celebrating the, the title at the Camp Nou, 100,000 people singing and enjoying themselves. And I got a call. Mm. So I stepped off, and this was the agent of Thierry Henry, and he said, I cannot believe what I'm going to tell you, mm. but he's not coming. <laughs> and I said, how come? <laughs> he said, in the flight back... He was flying back um, from Paris to London after losing the final against us. Mm. He picked up the microphone and he said to the Arsenal fans, I'm so sorry we lost. We'll be back next year. Oh. So, so that's, that's number one. Then the second conversation was a conversation between where 
Chiki was there and, and, and Frank Reichardt, and it was a conversation about signing a striker. Mm -hmm. And the two candidates were, as you said, Good Johnson and Forlan. And there was some sort of a technical discussion where Forlan was a typical number nine, a typical striker. Good Johnson was more of a second striker, somebody that would come from behind. Mm -hmm. And Chiki thought the best option for us was Forlan. And Reichardt thought it was Good Johnson. And the it was a constructive conversation. They're good friends. But at the end, Reichardt was saying, no, Good Johnson is stronger, he's stronger. It's going to be better for us. It's going to be better for us. And at some point, he said, okay, fine, fine. And he left. Okay. So then Chiki and I are sitting there, and Chiki said, you know what? This guy just won the league and the Champions League for us. Mm -hmm. If he wants Good Johnson, it will be Good Johnson. Okay. So it's uh, <laughs> this, these situations that the... the decisions about the squad are ultimately made by the football director. In mm -hmm. our case, Chiki Begiristain. But he has to measure, the, he has to measure when can he take a decision that is different from what the coach thinks. And he has to measure. Sometimes it's one way or another. I think Chiki would say, and he said at the time, if we bring him Good Johnson, Frank, Frank Reichert is going to hug him Mm -hmm. The first day, and everything will be fine, and this is what we need now. So in this case, Chiki considered. Okay. Um, you, you hire uh, Pep Guardiola to Barcelona, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave Barcelona a little bit now, but, but you, are, you are from Catalonia, and Pep Guardiola is from Catalonia. You are similar age. You are a few years older than him. Did you know, like, since he was a young guy that, you know, this Pep Guardiola, he's going to be you know, he's a great midfielder, but he's also be going to become a coach? Everybody that played with Pep, uh, including Chiki, would say that that when he was uh, a player, he was already obsessed about the game, okay. about understanding what was going on. So they would explain it to you. Th this was a famous Barcelona team who won the Champions League mm -hmm. uh, at the at the time, and they would say some players would just you know go and play and don't no listen not listen a lot mm -hmm. to the coach. Some players would just listen to the coach according to, okay, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And Pep Guardiola wanted to know, how are we going to play? What do I need to do? And why do I need to do? And how does it fit with the overall thing? Yeah. Right? So they, he, he was a coach yeah. already, a manager at the time. So you had him in, in mind for, for a long time? Yeah, I think I, we should attribute this decision not to me, but to Chiki. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, we were at Barcelona and we are very disciplined in our teams at the City Football Group that the football director is the boss, is mm -hmm. the one who makes the recommendation and the decision about the coach. So at the time at Barcelona, we knew that Frank Reichert needed to go. There were several candidates. The two final candidates were Mourinho and Pep. And Chiki came to one of the meetings, having done the analysis, and he said, my recommendation is Pep. He doesn't have the experience, but he has the talent, he has the commitment, he understands what, it, what this is, and he'll do well. Mm -hmm. And he was right. And he was right. <laughs> uh, fast forward to 2012, when you uh, joined the City Group, and uh, uh, you, know, you, you, you come this year, this famous year in Manchester City's history, they were so lucky winning the league. You don't like luck. <laughs> you have no belief in, you know, I, I always say, you know, this guy was lucky, or, you know, I can say, for instance, you were very unlucky in the Champions League this year. That was my, that's my opinion. And but you were also quite lucky when you did not concede the penalty at Goodison Park. 
when the ball went into Rodri's hand. So, you know, why does luck not exist in football? Because, because you have to make a difference between the short term and the long term. Luck exists in the short term, in the super short term. Yeah. So I, I could say that when we lost in Madrid, um, 2-1 with them scoring two goals in two minutes in the minute 90, that's bad luck. Mm -hmm. But that's bad luck in that particular moment. Yeah. If you look at five years of work, 10 years of work, the luck compensates itself. Yeah. It's not about luck. It's about hard work and intelligence. And you need to have the patience and the mental strength to accept the bad luck when it comes, and I've seen a lot of bad luck, mm -hmm. knowing that if I keep working hard, good luck will come naturally. But uh, but you wasted no time in 2012. You got Tixi on board with you, and uh, and uh, you you hire in the summer Manuel Pellegrini. Um, when you made uh, Manuel Pellegrini the Manchester City coach, did you make him aware that, well, you are the coach now, but, you know... I, I have in my mind to get uh, Pep Guardiola here uh, when, once he becomes available. Yes, what, what he knew was the reality because uh, Manuel is an extraordinary person and, and we like him so much. And the reality of what happened, I can, I can tell you, is that first we, we made a technical assessment that was done by Chiki mm -hmm. um, that told us we needed a new coach. And then we look at all the available candidates and our preferred candidate was Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. So we spoke to Pep, and he said, I want to go to Bayern Munich. Mm -hmm. This is what I feel I, I, I have to do now for different reasons. I'm going to go to Bayern, Bayern Munich. So we went to the second on the list, who was Manuel Pellegrini. So Manuel Pellegrini knew that we had spoken to Pep first. Mm -hmm. And this was natural, because both Chiki and I had worked with Pep before. Then Manuel had a three-year contract. The contract expired naturally. And I'd say one year before he expired, we told him, mm. now Pep wants to come. Yeah. So, so he will come. And then Manuel, he was the one who decided, okay, I'm fine. Let's say it. I don't have a problem. Okay. So it was a very natural, a very natural transition. In your book, you talk a lot about balance, commitment, and, and, and so on. Uh, you come in there in 2012. Is it a coincidence that uh, players like Mario Balotelli and uh, Carlos Tevez left so shortly after you arrived? Yeah, I think it is a co coincidence. So Balotelli was fighting with the coach at the time. Yeah. Um, but it, it is true that I've learned, we have learned over the years that a dressing room is a very small community where... Players have to be essentially good people, mm -hmm. right? So they need to be good football players, but good people too. And they have to respect each other. And I, I don't remember any experience where we would have a player that would not behave appropriately mm -hmm. and that would be good for the team. It's always bad for the team. Mm -hmm. And I think if you ask Pep, Pep would tell you this. First, I want a good person and then a good football player. Because a bad person, so a person that is not respectful or doesn't work or doesn't, is not a team member, can destroy a team, can destroy a dressing room. Well, uh, the, the thing is that uh, Manchester City has obviously dominated the Premier League now for the last uh, five years. You won it four out of the last five times. You've uh, you managed to uh, get 100 points in a season, something we thought that was never, never possible. 
I was so lucky to follow the Manchester City team in Los Angeles before that season because you came here and played a pre-season game in West Ham, so I was allowed to go in there and and watch you guys, uh, watch your team train. And uh, intensity was like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, But there's one thing missing. That's the Champions League. So is it maybe... Can you somehow view it as a good thing that you're not won the Champions League? Because, you know, it makes everyone work <laughs> extremely hard every summer because, you know, hey, we we need to get this one with the big ears. Yeah, I think, l- let me tell you how we think about this. Obviously, we want to win the Champions League and I'll be very happy the day that we will win it because I think that we will win it. Mm-hmm. But we don't make this the core of our objective because of what I said, right? Luck plays a role in the Champions League, because there are a handful of games that you can have a bad game in the semi-final and you're out. But it doesn't play a role in the league. Mm. So whoever wins the league is the best team in the league. Yeah. So we say internally, the league is our bread and butter. This is what we do for a living, the league. And the Champions League is an additional trophy that we won, but we know that it might be subject to a bit of luck. So we're not obsessed. And, you know, people talk now about the success that Real, that Real Madrid had in the last in the last years, and I think it's fair to say that there was a bit of luck. Right? <laughs> yes, so if you look at that, <laughs> if you look, maybe you know, I could say they deserve <laughs> to lose against PS, against PSG, against Chelsea, against us, against Liverpool. Yeah. But people do not remember yeah. that in the nineties, in the eighties. Real Madrid had a fantastic team, one of the best in the history, with Butragueño, yeah. and they couldn't win. Well, and they were knocked out of the Champions League every year by AC Milan. <laughs> uh, so yeah. they they had they they have they had some good luck now, but mm. they also had some very bad luck for years. So we're patient, we're patient. This is not an obsession. We will win it at the right time. Okay, um, you know you know Pep Guardiola has such a strange relationship with uh, his main rival now in the league with Jurgen Klopp because they speak very respectfully of each other they they don't get engaged into some some war of words or anything because one of the things that maybe drove him out of La Liga was his very intensive re- intense relationship with Mourinho a relationship that also went into the Spanish national team a relationship that might be you know in the future there will be TV shows movies books written about this tension. So you think it uh, maybe maybe helps that uh, you know it's 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 a different environment in in England. He, he maybe enjoys this a little bit more. Yeah, I think um, Klopp and Pep they respect each other mm-hmm. the way he should be, yeah. right? And in general, I, I would say that um, coaches, managers, they respect each other and they all understand that the only rivalry happens on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you, you respect the winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way it goes, and that's the way it should should be. I think the history that you mentioned between Pep and Mourinho, it was due to things that happened off the pitch. Actually, Pep said that. Mm-hmm. At some point, he said, off the pitch, he wins, in a famous press conference. On the pitch, I'll try to win. Right. Mm-hmm. The relationship that I've seen among the managers in the Premier League is excellent. Yeah. You brought in uh, Pep Guardiola in the summer of 2016. What did Manchester United do? We brought in 
Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this summer, uh, let's let's focus on, on the present, and um, we'll come shortly on to uh, City Football Group. But this summer, you and Tixi went to your favorite shop, the Bundesliga. You love that shop. Uh, you you go there to Germany to shop every year and buy very good things. You know, you have have had obviously Kevin De Bruyne, Sane, Gundogan, who was perhaps first signing, and previous before you came, Vincent Company came there and Deco and so on. But this time, Erling Holland. And he's the first superstar, actually, if, if, you know, yeah, super, superstar you have signed to uh, Manchester City. How excited are you to have uh, Erling Holland on board? I must say we are very, very excited. But I, I want to tell you, uh, honestly, that all the football decisions, all the signing decisions are taking through a football lens, mm-hmm. not a marketing lens or not a... Uh, um, celebrity lens Mm -hmm. so we think Chiki and Pep and the whole group they think very carefully about the players that they need for the team and this is what they sign so in this case it happens to be that that Haaland has a profile I think you are right that Mm -hmm. he has developed this profile as a superstar but this is not the reason why we sign him Mm -hmm. we sign him because we think that he's going to score a lot of goals and that he has the intelligence to adapt to our system, mm. right? The system is very complex. So when you, you said you saw the intensity in the training, if you would see the intensity in the way they discuss the, how are they going to play, it's mm. the very sophisticated. Mm. So you, you need to be a very sophisticated player to be able to adapt to this. And we think that Haaland will do. But I promise you, it's a football decision. It's not a marketing or celebrity uh, decision. I can understand that. I mean, Norway is not a big market, so why would that be a commercial decision to sign a Norwegian player? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you, going back to the Bundesliga, the, Bund- the Bundesliga is a is a very good league, and it's 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 physical, but there's also a lot of a lot of talent, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think we have a special uh, focus on the Bundesliga, but it's true that we sign we've been successful signing very good players. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you something about luck now. Yeah. I just remember this. Okay. So you said we won against Aston Villa and we won the league and, and maybe we were lucky after minute 78. <laughs> yeah. So let me point out the two things. Pep Guardiola made two changes. Sterling, who who crossed for the first goal. Yes, and, and, and there was luck there because Mati Kass slipped the same time he made the cross. So the ball went over to Gundogan. Okay. Okay. But but he, he, the the substitution created the chance. But more importantly, Gundogan. At the end of the game, there's an interesting interview where they were asking Pep, "Why did you choose Gundogan?" And he was saying he has special intelligence to be uh, at the right place at the right time on the second line. So and when you see it, he was saying it, and you could see the images of Kevin De Bruyne on the third goal, and you see how when Kevin De Bruyne starts to run, Gundogan starts to run. Yeah. He doesn't know where the goal, where the ball is going to be, but he starts to run. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, this was a good decision to put the right player at the right time. Yeah, so no luck in no luck. luck. No luck there. Uh, you know, negotiating with a, with a superstar like Holland, uh, how long did it take? Because you speak a lot about in your book about coming over-prepared for meetings. And negotiations, you need to be over-prepared because the, nego- the, the agents only have one job. They are thinking about this all year, about this one deal. 
So you need to come <coughs> over prepared for it. How it, long was this uh, process to get long? It, it was long because everybody knows that Haaland could have gone anywhere, mm -hmm. right? So many clubs, you know, all the rumors. It, it was a transparent situation because he had a release clause, so he he could leave from Dortmund. Yeah, it didn't need any negotiation, and a lot of clubs um, were wanting to sign him. So he made the decision, and he made a well-informed decision based basically on football yeah. criteria. Where are we going to play? Where am I going to play? How am I going to play? How am I going to work with this coach? Mm -hmm. So it was a football decision because the economical, the financial decision was was not the challenge. The, the, the fee with Dortmund was agreed in the uh, release clause and a lot of clubs wanted to pay the the salary that he that he gets. I think there is also an important point. His father, yeah. Alfie Haaland, who is a former football player, uh, obviously very smart and understands football, understands the Premier League, mm -hmm. understands Manchester City because he played at Manchester City. Mm -hmm. So he he was a good, I think, a good advisor to his son. Yeah. So when you when you're dealing with a superstar, it's not one agent; it's a whole team behind. Definitely. Mm. So, but uh, but but in this case, I, I'd say the key point was the technical discussion yeah. about football and about how is he going to fit into this machine that works. Remember, so you said it. We won four leagues out of five. We scored so many goals. He had to feel, and he feels now that he could get into this system and mm. perform. You think he can set some records there? Be the first guy to score more than 40 goals in a, in a, in a Premier League season? I can, I can say that. The, the one thing that I would say for all the Manchester City fans, and I know there are a lot in Iceland, is we'll have to be patient. So anybody getting into our team needs time. Okay. No goal after 14 games? You still relaxed? Yes. Okay. So, but how confident are you about his health? Like, he only started 21 games in the Bundesliga this year. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we looked we looked at this um, with with detail, and we are convinced that he is fit and that he can play at the at the maximum level. This is just a medical conversation, mm -hmm. and we've done every check that that we could do, and we're confident. Okay, uh, that that's very interesting. And uh, but but looking ahead, I mean, you have this uh, relationship with FC Barcelona. Obviously, you, Tixi and Pep, the three of you worked at Barcelona and so on. We know about the difficulties at Barcelona. Uh, everybody knows about it. Barcelona has players which, when I watch them play, they are pep players. Uh, with Petri, with Gavi, with Ansu Fati. But sometimes I feel like it's maybe out of respect that uh, you do not bid for them. or No. no. We, we have a normal commercial relationship with, uh, with uh, Barcelona. We sold them a player. Mm -hmm. Six months ago, Ferran Torres, and if we have to do business, we would we would do it. But mm -hmm. the reality is that we're starting from a position of strength. The current squad is very good, so we need to change only what we need to change, and we need to change two things: we need a striker, we have it, mm -hmm. and we need a replacement for Fernandinho. Mm -hmm. You need a doctor, no? Yes. We we have one Rodri yes but we need and we need another because this, the season is very is very long so we're we're only looking at these two players so mm -hmm. at Barcelona there's no striker and there's no 
we call it a number six or a holding a holding a holding midfielder. Yeah. All these players that you mentioned are very good players, but we have these positions more than covered. Mm-hmm. Not only with the with the top players, experienced players that we have, but others that are coming, like Palmer mm-hmm. or McAtee. These are very young English players with a bright future. Yeah. The same bright future of the players that you mentioned from Barcelona. Yeah, and uh, all of a sudden now you're you're uh, creating your own superstars within your uh, Manchester City academy. Uh, obviously, with 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 Phil Foden now uh, being one of the faces of of Manchester City. Phil Foden is an, a spectacular example of a boy that has been in our academy from when he was ten years old, mm. and he's a Manchester City fan. But if, if I may say, this this year we won the Premier League, we won the Premier League two, mm-hmm. which is the the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the under twenty one. And we won the under eighteen, mm-hmm. and last year we won the three again. Yeah. Right. So there is a long list of very good young players that have been winning uh, with Manchester City, and that are coming up. Uh, and there'll be there'll be some stars there. I've I've been visiting Manchester now for since nineteen ninety six, coming there every year for Manchester United games and sometimes Manchester City, and I can see the improvement in the area around Manchester City. You made the people there rich because you have uh, the housing prices gone up the roof. And uh, was that something that w- you you were aware of when you came there that you wanted to invest in the community? Because this is a, a great change since like the first time when I went uh, around the Etihad. Yeah, this is in the DNA of of Manchester Manchester City. If you if you look at the history of the club, the club was founded by a church, mm-hmm. right? And there's this famous story of the daughter of the vicar, mm-hmm. who said at some point, um, we're talking now at the end of the 19th century, and she said, in the times of the Industrial Revolution, very difficult times in, in England and in Manchester, and she said, boys and men, when they stop working in the factories on Saturday afternoon, the only thing they do is to fight and to drink. We yeah. need to do something. And they created a football team <laughs> yeah. and a cricket team. Yeah. So that's in the spirit of the club. And the club does a lot with the community. And you're right that the Etihad Stadium was in a very tough environment, uh, a very difficult area of Manchester, a poor area and an industrial area. Yeah. And now it's flourishing. Yeah, it's absolutely flourishing. And uh, if you speak to the people there, they are uh, very happy with what you've done for the community. But... Uh, City Football Group is not only about Manchester City, though my main interest is in Manchester City. You have a lot of football clubs around the world. You have a club in New York. And when you started out, there were stars in New York City. You had David Villa, you had Frank Lampard, you were, you were bringing in famous names. When I look at uh, the New York City team that became champions now, I'm obsessed with football. I watch food. I watch too much football, but I don't know many names there. I watched you when you won the. You are the MLS champions now, but your approach seems to have changed a little bit. You are becoming like a development team, or or like uh, you know, I, I look at the average age of the team and so on. And uh, you, uh, this new yeah, team. I can tell you. I can tell you the story. So first of all, remember that this team was created from scratch, mm-hmm. right? So there was nothing. Yeah, they didn't exist. No, the first day we went to New York in 2012, there was nothing. So we had to create a, a, a team, a badge, a name, a color, everything. Yeah. So we and we're very proud of. Where did the of idea for color come from? The idea oh. is an old idea. It's <laughs> in my book. It's a, it's a 2005 idea. Okay. So we we finally we finally made it happen, and 
we thought, so New York is a very difficult place because there's so much to do, right? Yeah. So it's the capital of entertainment in the world. And we thought at the time, how are we going to make sure that people are going to look at this, uh, at a soccer team? Mm. Uh, and, and we thought we need some stars yeah. to call the attention. And we did call the attention. And we brought David Villa, Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo. I think it's fair to say that David Villa made an extraordinary contribution. He was yeah. the best player in the MLS yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. But Pirlo and Lampard, they had a lot of injuries and it didn't work. Yeah. But we did call the attention. At a certain point, we, we thought, we don't need to call the attention anymore. We need to play good football and we need to win. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this with young players also because this is the budget that we have. So the size of, of, of the business does not allow us to, to pay for very expensive players. So we're looking at young players and, and we already have some stars, right? Mm -hmm. So we have Valentin Castellanos mm -hmm. is an Argentinian player who won the Golden Boot. Mm -hmm. And he is a star by, by, by his own merit and is, is very young. And you are obviously the MLS champions uh, now. Uh, did it with an Icelandic player, Gumdu uh, Thoransson uh, included. One of the things that was surprising to me, because you know I'm so fascinated with America and how the MLS is standing outside of uh, FIFA and so on, is that uh, Ronnie Taylor, the New York City manager, he leaves for, from New York to go to Standard. Why would anybody... If you live in New York, why would you go to Belgium to live there? <laughs> this is a very good question <laughs> that you should ask him because yeah. I think the same. Yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> New York, for anybody um, in, in, in New York, you live in a great city. Yes. We have a fantastic training ground. We have 20, 25,000 people watching the games. Yes. We're the champions. I mean... I would want to leave there. Yeah, me too. Not in, not in Liège. <laughs> no. But, you know, we, we respect him. He's done very good with us. Yes. Uh, and he, he wants to go, I think he wants to be closer to home. Mm -hmm. And we respect that. You've also done very well in Australia uh, with, your, with your clubs there. Uh, obviously have also uh, focusing in, uh, focus on, on Asian countries, uh, Japan. Yeah, we, we have uh, today 11 football clubs in 11 different countries, mm -hmm. in America, in Europe, and in Asia. And each club has different personality and different functions. Our club in Uruguay obviously is focusing on developing players. Yeah. Uruguay is a very small country. Yeah, it's 3.5 million or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but they, they won the World Cup twice, so they probably have very good players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think if you do a ratio... Good football players, or football players playing, I've done this, football players playing in the top five leagues yeah. versus population, Uruguay is number one. Yes. By far. Yes. Other places like India, they're, they're not, they're, they're Indian players that are developing, but none of them has the level to, to go to Europe there. So it's a different play. It's more, we are in Mumbai, yeah. the capital of entertainment of India. Um, so in different places in the world, we have different strategies but I, I i have to say that this season has been our best season ever mm -hmm. and we're so happy because we won the league not only in the u.s but also of course in in england um we won the league in uh, bolivia yeah we've won the league in, in this last 18 months in in india mm. so we won a lot of leagues but also we got achievements like Last Sunday, mm. our team in Spain, Girona, Girona is a very nice yep. city, north of Barcelona, got promoted to 
La Liga. You beat my team, Tenerife. Oh yeah, is it yeah. your team? Yeah, I always go to Tenerife every year oh, really? to support. No, no, just for, for Sun, but uh, I, I was following it because I was hoping to get La Liga games to Tenerife. Okay, you can come to Girona. <laughs> you're, you're invited. And and uh, also, you know, we, we just uh, checked this yesterday because with this Girona game, it was the last game of our season. Yeah. And we had seven of the 11 clubs had the chance to qualify for regional competitions, being Champions League or CONCACAF Champions League or Asian Champions League, and the seven of them got it done. So we had a great season. Um, in terms of the women's game, uh, the City Football Club has done very well with the with the female uh, team at Manchester City, but you're going to, through great changes there. The the, the players, there are, there's a lot of uh, players going in and going out yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I, I think we... we we are very focused on 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 the on the women's game. It's the the level of quality keeps keeps improving and improving. I think I if you watch a, a uh, an English uh, league um, game, you would see more and more high quality players. The business is growing little by little. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Manchester City, we won the league several times and we won the cup last year. And this year, for for whatever reason, there are three or four players leaving, but there are three or four new players coming. Very good and very young players. So we we are we feel positive about this. Actually, Iceland is coming over to Manchester to play. Uh, yes. In, uh, and they will uh, use our facilities. So we'll we'll have your team there. Yeah. Um, well, you know. The, the the one of the things of uh, in your book you talk a lot about the, the three different uh, parts of uh, incomings for for football teams and uh, one of them is the stadium. You are playing at the track and field stadium now in Etihad, which was the Commonwealth Games. Uh, you know, have you ever thought about moving and building no, a new stadium? No, no, no. We 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 actually have improved the the Etihad Stadium several yeah. times. Of yeah. course the. The, the track um, is not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have uh, expanded um, one of the stands, the uh, south stand, and we're now planning to expand the north stand. So what we, what we want to do is to keep growing in the same place. Yeah. So, so what, how do you feel about the, the season? It's starting extremely early this year. We are going to have a strange break. There's going to be a time in from November to December where Erling Holland, who doesn't go to the World Cup, he's not. What the, what are you going to do with him? Are you going to send him to Tenerife to me? Or? It's you know what the reality is. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows what's going to happen. We've done a lot of analysis and research and calculation, but we don't know. The fact that the season starts one week earlier, it's a bit unfortunate for anybody that wants to take some holidays, and and. Yeah. You know, at the time we will be playing, and some of the fans will still be uh, be on be on holiday. But the great unknown is, as you said, how are we going to manage these six, seven, six weeks out? Yeah. Um, we we will have most of our players in the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, the next question is, how are they going to come back? Because if you play the players that got to the final or to the semifinal, will have no rest. Our first game is the 26th mm-hmm. of uh, December. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a challenge. And quite frankly, nobody in the industry, nobody in the world of football knows how it's going to go and how to manage it. Why, in, in your opinion, because you've worked so closely in, in with La Liga and so on, why is the Premier League king? Why is it like, you know, 
Why is Premier League the envy of everybody? I think there are historical reasons. Yeah. So the Premier League was always ahead, okay. right? And some of these are also historical reasons. And they, as you know, the, the, the English culture mm. is spread around around the world. The idea of the, of the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. um, I don't know to what extent it exists from a political point of view, but it exists from a from a cultural point point of view. You go yeah. to Australia and they think about European football, they think about England. Yeah. But the same happens in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. right? So the Premier League was the first league to be professionally organized and take advantage of that mm-hmm. and create a game that is exciting yeah. and that is not thought only for the domestic uh, audience, mm-hmm. but globally. So other leagues are trying to do this. La Liga is maybe the second, and then Bundesliga, but they're just behind. Mm-hmm. It's a question of, of as a set of culture, history, and professional management. But the, but the the very interesting thing is that you have grown so much in the last few years, in the last ten years, that uh, you know of all your fan base, one percent of them lives in Manchester. That was uh, a survey I, I I read a few weeks ago. So so you are, you are so globalized football team you uh, you haven't yes uh, have in master yes but but this applies to the league the premier league as a whole when you look at the total audience mm. of the premier league the audience in england it's never more than 10 percent 90 percent of the audience is is elsewhere and sometimes this is a challenge for people managing clubs and managing the league because because if you ask a marketing person in a premier league club who's your client mm. they might tell you they might think about a local English person that goes to the game but a lot of their clients are in China or in Iceland Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to connect to them and to engage with them and to deliver the product to them Mm -hmm. Farhan you you've been all over the world for for football and is do you have is there some one place that you feel like when you're there you like this is football like where is your what is the is there a is there any place that comes to your head and you go like, ah, this, this is it? There, there are many, but there's one thing I think that is impossible to to reproduce elsewhere, which is South America. Yeah, uh, you go to Argentina, and so th- the difference is. Let me expand a bit of this. The difference is that in England, football is a sport, and people talk about the sport and they enjoy and they watch, but. It's not an integral part of their life. Okay. If you go, to, if you live in Argentina, the the first question, if you know somebody, is <laughs> what's your name. But the second question is what is your team? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, the teams are embedded in the fabric of societies, mm-hmm. and they're part of their life. And the passion that that through they live this is unbelievable. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and it makes it a bit magic, right? So, this. It's not only in Argentina, it happens in other places, also in Turkey as, as an example, but yeah. go attend the River Plate Boca Juniors game mm. and you'll see this is not football, it's something else. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're growing the City Brunt and the City Football Group all the time. You know, most teams, most uh, clubs, they go to Thailand, go to America. What are you doing in Iceland? Uh, I know the passion that 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 exists in 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 Iceland, and we want to be closer to Icelandic fans. Yes, I, I just I just want to get to know them. 
we're bringing the trophy. I think you yeah. tell me, but the thing is, the first time that the Premier League trophy is in is in Iceland, yeah. and. I want to establish long-term relationship with football fans in Iceland and also with teams and federation and the federation and so on, because I, I think I think it's a it's a it's a place where football will grow. Yeah, and and I love it. I, I I'm here often, so I love I I love Iceland. You're often here in Iceland. Yeah, I've been here as a tourist several several times. Okay. So it's not often we have football royalty coming to Iceland. It's the the clubs want to go to Asia to expand or to America to expand. We we never get representatives from 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 one of the one of the big ones if you if you like. I, I am I am very happy to be here, but I'll tell you a little a little anecdote. Yeah. So some Icelandic fans uh went to uh Manchester to watch the Manchester City Liverpool game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was talking to them, and they were asking me, "Have you been to Iceland?" And I said, "Yes." Um, I went the last time I went. I tried fly fishing, and I fished nothing. Yeah. And and they told me, "Okay, if you come to Iceland, hmm. we'll take you fly fishing, and you will fly something." And I said, "Okay, if we win the Premier League, I'll come with a trophy." <laughs> okay, so you're and here I am with a trophy. Oh, very good. Uh, I think I'll kind of let you, uh, you. You have a very busy schedule ahead, uh, Ferran, and uh, but it was an absolute pleasure of uh, discussing this uh, City Football Group and, and obviously Manchester City, which is which is of everyone's interest here in Iceland. Thank you so much. Thank you.